Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with professional matchmaker and relationship expert, Amber Lee. She is the CEO of Select Date Society. She is a luxury matchmaker with over 25 years of celebrated experience in creating meaningful connections. She has been featured in the Forbes, Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and so much more. Since 1998, she has been involved in this practice, and she always wanted to start her own matchmaking firm. When she suffered a sudden cardiac arrest in 2020, and when she had to be brought back to life, she knew it was time to take action, and she's done just that. Enjoy this interview. Hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. Yeah, good to meet you too. So you got a very important job. If it wasn't for you being a matchmaker and helping people out, we wouldn't have songs, books, paintings. (laughs) All of these great artistic things that exist in the world. You're right. (laughs) So before we get into your life and career and what you do specifically, we all went through quite a thing with COVID and it affected, I'm sure, your business model and everything that you experienced. But how did you get through it and how has it changed the way that you approach things now that the world's waking up? Yeah, it's interesting in the world of matchmaking, COVID actually, uh, I hate to say it, but in some ways had a really positive impact. So number one, we work with clients nationwide, sometimes worldwide, and all of a sudden meeting with people over Zoom just became kind of the normal thing to do. And so for our clients or potential clients like that, our business model suddenly just made sense to everybody. There was no question about why aren't we meeting in person? Why are we meeting over Zoom like you and I are right now? Yeah. And then also in the world of dating, the amazing thing is before people would limit themselves, they would say, hey, I live in New York City, so I only want to meet people in New York City. And then all of a sudden, everybody's working remotely, people aren't tied to a nine to five going into an office. And so all of our clients suddenly were open to searches nationwide. And we have so many stories of people where, uh, for example, one young couple we introduced, she lived in New York, he lived in Beverly Hills. Um, Their first date was in Italy of all places. And now she moved across the country to be with him. And they would have never met pre COVID when people were locked into only meeting somebody who was in a, you know, a certain radius of where they live. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. You know, I remember when this whole thing started and this was probably in the early 2000s, one of my best friends met somebody online and all, my, my friends and I, we were all like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to do that. I mean, it just doesn't seem, and this was in the beginning days of, of the online dating and the internet was exploding, but he ended up meeting her and they got married and they've been married for what now 20 something years. So it's amazing how that works. How do you how do you see the psychology of us changing with technology to not only accept this, but for the algorithm to work so well for things like what you just said? What a distance. I know COVID had something to do with it, but how has all of that become more woven into our reality than ever before? So you're right. A lot of people meet online. That's become just kind of normal. I think as our society has progressed, um, you know, nowadays, like when you and I grew up, for example, we had like teen magazines where we would look for fashion trends. And now I have a 15 year old daughter who's never probably even seen a magazine. She looks on Instagram for trends and what's going on and what her friends are doing. And so the world has just kind of embraced technology in every way. So it makes sense that we've embraced that in a way to meet our mates as well. Now, what our company does at Select Date Society, we're actually old fashioned matchmakers. So we do use technology, you know, we have a database 
because we have thousands of singles to be able to manage and to be able to search through. But we actually have a team of matchmakers who hand selects the introductions for our clients. So it's like this beautiful mix of technology to help us to stay organized to do our job. But we're still doing one of the oldest jobs, you know, um, other than I always hear the joke that the two oldest jobs um, in history are prostitution and matchmaking. Um, And so, so ours is definitely one that's been around for centuries. So let's get to how this started for you. When you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an attorney. Um, okay. I, I really enjoyed like a great debate. Um, I, I was kind of a know-it-all. You know, I, I felt like I could debate anyone on any topic. And I think that's translated well to matchmaking in the sense that sometimes we have to challenge our clients. Sometimes they think they know, you know, what they want or what they need, um, and it's not in alignment with reality. And so sometimes, you know, I think being a good matchmaker also involves having difficult conversations and giving a lot of pushback. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go back to the seeds of how all this started for you. Where were you born and raised, and what were some of the early things that gave you this inclination to become who you are today and to get into this business of matchmaking? Yeah, I grew up in a very small town in Michigan, um, and I and I felt like I was always kind of too big for my environment. I could not wait to get out of the little tiny town I was born into. Uh, so I went to college when I was 16. I went to a university of Massachusetts. So I started kind of my adulthood very early. I was in a really big push to get out into the world. Um, and then actually I answered a newspaper ad in 1998. A dating service was hiring a receptionist receptionist. And that was my first glimpse into matchmaking. And I dropped out of college um, and said to my parents, I found what I want to do. Of course, they were horrified. Um, but but it all worked out in the end. You know, ultimately, Sandra Myers and I co-founded Select Date Society, started our own business. And it's been a beautiful ride. So when you look, you know, the one thing that fuels us into this realm of like matchmaking and all that are these Hollywood movies. What's your favorite movie scenario storyline what 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 do you like the best as far as well (laughs) personally i love the romantic comedies where you know somebody had there's some kind of mishap and then somehow they figure it out that they really are meant to be together um like how to lose a guy in 10 days those kind of movies um just because i think it shines a light on the playfulness needed for a relationship to work. I mean, those are really exaggerated, but most relationships hit, hit some kind of roadblock along the way. Um, yeah. There's usually some funny stuff that happens before people figure out like, okay, this is who I should be with. You know, it seems like for for something that everybody really craves and wants, like a relationship and to fall in love, we always mess it up somehow. Somehow we miss the signs We make it difficult in your line of work. When you see all these people and all these things have to come together, what, what, what is the obvious blunder and how do you correct it? Yeah. So I think a lot of it, not to, you know, I'm in no way a therapist, but sometimes we have like these ideas about love and relationships from watching our parents' marriage our parents' relationships. One thing we do with all of our clients, we go over the kind of their love history, how they formed their view on love from childhood up until now. And that includes, you know, how their parents loved them, 
love between their siblings and friends and high school and college and, you know, adult relationships. And I think when we take time to really reflect, um, you need a high level of self-awareness to be successful in a relationship. And so that's why we try to take our clients through that so that they're aware of maybe their own, um, you know, misgivings about love, their own misconceptions. And we try to reframe what love means to them and what they should be looking for. So who's been kind of a role model or a hero for you in your life? Someone that's really kind of inspired the work that you do. You know, I think it's my own husband. Um, I met him when I was 30. I, I spent my 20s in horrible relationships, making all the mistakes. And then when I was 30, I met my husband. And he is this like playful, fun, giving, generous human being. And he has taught me so much to slow down and to really enjoy every moment. Uh, because I can be a bit of a workaholic. I'm super focused. I, I can be a little bit type A. And he is the total opposite of that. And so I think he's just brought this really wonderful balance into my life. So did you meet him through matchmaking or was it just organic? Yeah, I met him at the grocery store. Okay. So, and, and as a matchmaker, that was kind of my opening line. Um, I saw him in the grocery store and I was looking at this tall, handsome man. Um, and so I, I actually had walked out of the store and something instinctively said to me, like, you are meant to know this person. Um, I, you know, I, I always say I'm not woo woo, but I'm a matchmaker. So I'm a little woo woo. And so I, I literally turned around, walked back into the store and found him. And I approached him and just said, Hey, I'm a matchmaker. I was wondering if you're single. Um, and, and he was, and then we ended up, you know, connecting from there. You know, I remember in the nineties, um, there used to be this alternative magazine called the pitch. Well, it still is here in Kansas city. And there used to always be these like little personals that were in the end of the, uh, of the magazine. And it would always be people yeah. that would see somebody in a convenience store or a grocery store. And I always, always thought if that person doesn't see that, Based on the description of how much that person enjoyed that meeting, it would be a shame. But now, now these days, it's probably a little bit easier to get that message to people, I would think. Oh, yeah. You see it on Facebook now all the time. Um, and I always tell our clients, like, if you need to listen to your instincts. So if you see somebody and something's just drawing you to that person, you need to act on that. Like, don't let that moment pass you by. That could be your person. Yeah. So if anyone out there would be on the fence and not quite sure that they wanted to go into the world of online dating, what would be your advice them, to them to say, you know what, this is the right way, this is the right time to convince them to do it? Yeah, I think it, dating is different for everyone. So you have to think about who you are, what you want dating to look like for you. So if you're somebody who you feel like you need to meet more people, you're you're just not meeting a lot of people, then you do need to kind of cast a wider net. And online dating is a really great option for that. Um, if you're somebody who's a high income earner, high net worth individual, um, a public figure, really well known in your community, and you want to meet people, but you're not going to put your picture and profile online for everyone to see, then you probably want to look into private matchmaking like what we do. And so there's definitely different avenues to meet people. But the bottom line is you're never going to meet somebody if you don't take action. It's like anything in life, you can think about it all day, you can dream about it, hope for it. But to make it happen, you actually have to do something about it. Yeah. So of all the people that are on the planet right now, of all the people that you might admire, who would you love to meet and talk to? 
Wow, that, there's so many. <laughs> um, I, I listen to books on Audible like crazy, and there's all these authors that, you know, I love listening to memoirs and their experiences. You know, this is probably a really funny answer, but I listen to Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. on the Jay Shetty podcast um, on purpose the other day. And I was so impressed by how far she has come, like how grown up she is now. Um, She was talking about love and uh, being a parent and, you know, her, her just view of justice and generosity and the work she's doing in law. And I was thinking, I would love to find her her match because I feel like she's finally at a point in life where she's actually ready to find love for the right reasons. Yeah. So, Speaking of books, what was the first book that you read that really got you inspired to want to read more? Um, I think it was, well, I read the Tony Robbins book, I think, Awaken the Giant Within, um, Mm -hmm. when I was pretty young, Think and Grow Rich. Some of the like classic um, entrepreneurship books that kind of inspired me to keep reading more. And then I've read a ton of biographies um, on influential people. I think there's so much to learn from everyone else's journey, yeah. um, and lessons, you know, so now I read everything from memoirs to biographies, um, on celebrities and just regular everyday people. So what's your ultimate motivator every day, every day you get up, you, you go in and you do your work, but what is it that really fuels you? You know, it's the results. So I'm super results oriented. And when we get a text um, with a picture of a happy couple saying, oh my gosh, you know, we just got engaged or uh, we had a couple get married in January. They're in the New York Times and I, and I printed that out and framed it. Um, you know, just knowing that I had a part in making that happen, it is the most rewarding work. Um, it's super stressful and, and, and super difficult and challenging at times, but the reward is definitely worth it. I remember seeing a, a, a post in the newspaper. This has been a long, long time ago. And the last name for the woman was boring. And the last name for the guy was bland. <laughs> it was the boring and bland <laughs> wedding. <laughs> and I was wondered, what last name are you going to take? Because there's no way you can dress that up. <laughs> you know what? They should choose a new last name. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. You know, if Prince can do it, they can yeah. pull it off. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when you get to the end of that said day, how do you look back on a day and say, that was a good day that worked for me? You know, it's normally the impact that that I make and that my team makes on our clients. And so sometimes that doesn't even mean that a great date happened or, but it's the fact that, you know, we had really great conversations with our clients. We're moving in the right direction. It's just knowing that we made, you know, even if it's a small impact, I feel like every single day, if you can touch somebody's life in a positive way, like you can go to bed at the end of the day and know that you made a difference. So if you were to have a dream tonight and you ran into a younger version of yourself, say in your early 20s, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the life you've lived, the wisdom you've gained, what would you tell that young version of yourself? I would I would definitely tell that young version of myself to start my own business. Um, I spent over 20 years working for other companies, um, helping them to build their businesses. Yeah. And looking back, I should have started my own much, much sooner. I think that the biggest challenge and the biggest reward is being a business owner and entrepreneur um, and knowing that you can make decisions to impact you know, the world, really. Um, and I think that entrepreneurship, I, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I encourage her and all of her friends to look into that, even if they want to you know, go to college to study entrepreneurship, because I think the possibilities are really endless. So would that young version listen to you? 
No, <laughs> I think right. in my twenties, I think in my twenties, I was so hardheaded um, and so determined to do what I was doing, which was yeah. again building a business for someone else. Um, but I, I do think that you know I really try to impact my daughter and her friend group, and we do volunteer work in the community and all the young people I come across, just really encouraging them to find their passion and to find a way that to make that into a business. So what? Are you the proudest stuff that you've done in your life so far? What is the ultimate moment for you or the, the accomplishment? Well, I think it's being a mom. Um, that's, um, I talk about matchmaking being so challenging, but oh my gosh, if you're a parent, you know that that is the most challenging job. And I am in the thick of it with a 15 year old right now. Um, the teenage years, it's like, oh, it's the most challenging thing in the world. And talk about going to bed at the end of the day, feeling accomplished. Like if my daughter, goes to bed without rolling her eyes and without giving me an attitude and actually, you know, giving me a hug at the end of the day, like that's an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Um, I think I'm, I, I, my core, I'm a creative. I, I love to think big and to create. Um, I'm a little bit artistic. I like to draw and, um, I love music. So I definitely am a creative thinker. I think I have a high level of compassion and empathy. Um, I really feel for others and I, I you know, I'm an Enneagram type three. If you know anything about the Enneagram, that's the achiever. And I do think I'm very much achievement oriented. Um, I think sometimes my downfall is I care too much about what others think. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on within myself. But yeah, I think that really sums up who I am. I think a lot of the online dating world has has gone through the waves of technology, the advancements that we've gone through. And now we're on this precipice of AI. There's much more dialogue, much more development. How do you think AI is going to affect the, the world of online dating and matchmaking? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to have an impact. I I really wish that I could see into the future. I feel like that's where the opportunity is. And my business partner and I have talked about AI and how we can implement that into our business. Um, it's very interesting. I've played around with some of the AI tools, chat GTP and some of the stuff that's out there. Um, I will say that I personally am not a big tech person. So I don't always understand like the ins and outs of tech, but I can definitely see the big picture. I think it's going to have a huge impact on online dating. I think there are already websites out there where you can like create an avatar and like have these little virtual worlds where your avatars are dating um, to get yeah. to know each other. And so I think that no one has really has a good handle on how it's going to look right now, but it's definitely going to impact online dating. I think it can go one way or another. There could be more catfishing or there could be a better way of matching people up, you know, which is, I think, the fear of the whole explosion of this technology is that, you know, if if used yeah, wrong. I, with, yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see both. Just, just like online dating now, there's so many romance scammers out there. Literally, I think it was $540 billion or something wow. um, scammed out of people in the last year. Um, so it's a crazy number. So that's going to continue, I think, with or without AI. Um, but I do think that there's there's some hope there that there's some good that comes out of it. Um, and I think that, you know, algorithms getting better and matching people. But again, like people are still, you know, especially in the business of romance and love, like ultimately you're dealing with people. And so people are still going to 
you know, base their decisions off of chemistry and connection. And there's so much to be said about like human touch that, you know, AI is never going to replace that. Well, true. And that's the one realm right there where you you absolutely 100% have to have that organic human element to it. Because if you don't, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, for sure. So um, if anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about your company, you, anything pertaining to your world, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, uh, com, And we're on all the socials at selectdatesociety, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us there. Um, I will tell you, we're not for everyone. We're extensive. Our programs start at 35000 They go up from there. So we work with typically high net worth individuals, um, but a lot of entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, celebrities, you know, people who are looking for a better way to meet their person. Well, hopefully here here in the future, maybe somehow Kim will catch up on this and that'll be <laughs> that'll be a success story for you. So Yeah, that would be amazing. If anyone knows Kim, have her call me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey Amber, thank you for opening up. This has been wonderful. Thanks for the story. Thank you for the insights. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, relationships, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find famous interviews with Joe Domino on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.